Thank you all very much. You know, I just, I want to say thank you to all of you for letting me come. I've really been looking forward to this. I've been in uh, London for the last week with, um, we met about a year ago. It was my first time with you all, and you all were incredibly gracious and welcoming to me. And um, um, I was on, I was part of an eight-week tour through Europe, um, um, Eastern Europe and Scandinavia and the United Kingdom. I spent, I can't remember, it was three or four weeks in the United Kingdom alone and went all over from, I went from Cardiff, Wales through here all the way up to Manchester um, and lots of points in between. And um, I made two, there were two places I went in the United Kingdom where I could feel a divine connection, an instant connection, an instant feeling for me, and I never presume, but I know what it feels like for me, um, of a sense of connection, family, desiring to serve, desiring to give, desiring to pour into people because God connected me with their hearts. And that doesn't mean people are perfect, anything but. It means people are hungry and there's just, I don't know what it is. I, I, and it was a, a Capstone Church in London and Oasis Church here in Chelmsford. And I'm very blessed this trip because I just spent, um, I apologize that I'm a little hoarse. I just finished doing a, thank you, Pete. I just finished doing a glory school in London at Capstone Church and we had a wonderful time. It was four sessions a day for three days and uh, um, we had a great time and God showed up in amazing, amazing ways. And as wonderful as it was and I was a little sad to leave because I've come to, even though it was just one year ago I met them, just such a sense of family and connection. I was also excited to come here because I had a very similar feeling of connection with you guys. And it's just so rewarding to know that that's echoed back. I mean, you know, in Christ we love, love gives. It doesn't expect anything in return, but there's something beautiful when that love is given in both directions. So I just want you to know I've been really excited about coming here. It's really a privilege. It's really great to see you all again. And thank you for letting me come back. And thank you, um, Pete, Pastor Pete, for leading us um, um, in, in, in opening a meeting this way. That was really special. It was really intimate. It was really, I think, prophetic. I commend and applaud each and every one of you for jumping in and being involved in your own way. Um, that's part of this season that we're in right now is it's, it's really about um, each of us in our individual relationship with God, connecting with him, meeting with him, and then bringing that all together. You know, we started, um, XP Ministries, we started a, a, a weekly, I'll call it a fellowship, um, um, for better, for lack of a better term, a church, although God told us not to call ours a church because there's such a picture in people's mind of what church looks like. And the fellowship that we created was, was, the, uh, that he directed us to create a little unique and that it's a, it is a local fellowship that meets every week in our studio. Um, but it's also a global fellowship because we broadcast all over the world through the internet every Sunday. And we've got usually, you know, 50, 60 or so people in the local fellowship in the studio. And it's great getting to know them and building relationship with them. And you know how fun and sometimes challenging that is when you bring lots of people and lots of personalities together. But it's all really good. And then we've got usually anywhere from 150 to 1,000 people online all over the world with us that are committing to us as their local fellowship. And it's been really good. And I've been, I've been privileged um, to be part of the apostolic oversight of this new work. 
And when um, uh, my mentor and spiritual mother, Patricia, is not there, I get to do uh, a lot of the preaching, and I really enjoy it. And But one of the things, the last, I think it was the last time, was either the last, I did a series of like five or six in a row, and or four or five in a row. And one of the ones near the end I did was God really put it on my heart to share with the church, to remind them of the, it's called XP, which is our ministry, XP Ministries, Shiloh Fellowship. And God inspired us to call it Shiloh when he gave Patricia a scripture in one place in the Bible and me another about why that name. And the one he gave me was out of um, Samuel. And it said that Shiloh was where God continued to appear to his people and revealed himself through his word. So there's this great promise for me over our work of Shiloh being a place where God continually appears and that he will reveal himself and that we need to contend for this promise. We have it. It's not that we're contending to have it. We're contending for the fullness of it. But I met one of the weeks that I preached, God gave me a loving word of encouragement to every single person locally and internationally through the web that, that every single person plays a part in it. It's not for Patricia to contend for. It's not for me to contend Well, it is for Patricia to contend for. It is for me to contend for. But not only us. Not only Jonathan, our worship leader. Not only Pastor Jim, our lead pastor. But it's for every, and everybody who comes that feels called to be part of Shiloh Fellowship. They are, they're called for a reason. Because they bring something we need. They are as important, they are as integral contending for the promise in their way as Patricia or myself from the pulpit or Pastor Jim in, in, in pastoring or Jonathan in leading our worship. And I watched several of them wrestle with but then catch that. And I told them, I said, it's not just for you to show up. You know, show up in expectation, show up prayed up, show up knowing you're bringing your faith, your expectation, your spirit, your gifting. And even if you may not move in that gifting during the hour and a half service afterwards and encouraging it. And because we must have it or God wouldn't have called you to this unique work. And so that's really been in my heart lately. And I saw it at this glory school. I saw people show up hungry. I saw people show up expecting. I saw the incredible privilege of coming in and ministering in a church that does prayer all week long, worship all week long. They worship with abandon. And the presence of God in that place, it was so easy and such a privilege to minister. And I know this isn't your space. I know you've had transition with space this year. And I know you're in a new space right now that's probably a temporary space. And there's always challenges with that. You know, trucking things in and out every week and coming in and having to recarve out an atmosphere every week. It's challenging. But I want you to know, and we're going to talk about tonight, there's blessing in that challenge. Amen. And this isn't a stopgap. It's part of God's plan for your house. There's something in this season. And as I even just coming in tonight and seeing, hearing, feeling each of you. What we just did here was really beautiful. It was really special. There aren't a lot of places I've gone in the world where people would be willing to do what you just did. Which, and I'm not trying to be coarse, I'm trying to be descriptive. To be spiritually open, naked, and vulnerable before there. Could you realize in our hearts we just returned to the garden? Do you realize that? We were just completely, individually, and collectively 
open, naked, and vulnerable before our God. There's no loud music to cover my bad singing voice. <laughs> there was, you know, some of you have beautiful voices. I heard them, or there were angels in the room, or both. <laughs> but I just really commend you that heart-to-heart willingness to bring who you are and what you have in relationship with God into the collective, into the corporate. That's powerful. That's what God's about. God is. God is the most incredible individual and individualistic God. He just amazes me how he, he's this big God with all these incredible insights on how we can be blessed in him, with him, and for him. And it works for everybody. And yet he's completely and totally unique and individual to each of us because each of us brings something that we are not fully the body of Christ without. And I really want to commend you guys. That was really beautiful and it was really special. And don't 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 dismiss the uniqueness or maybe to some of you the oddness of what just happened. That was that was heaven touching earth. That was us returning to the garden with our Father. It was really beautiful, and I'm really privileged to have been a part of it. Um, so I want to share I want to share with you a little bit about what's going on in the spirit, where we are. Um, I want to bring what I hope is a meaty word for you. I think it might be a little bit of a challenging word, but it's good. But we've been in a challenging season, haven't we? You know, um, really. um, I was sharing with uh, um, uh, uh, Pete and Leo. uh, Gosh, I just had several conversations. And for some weird reason, even 10 days into this trip, I'm still having jet lag. And for some reason, my body really wants to be asleep right now. Um, and um, I'm, I'm feeling a little groggy and dopey, but I'm, I'm not. I have the mind of Christ, and uh, the Holy Spirit is clothing himself in me, and he will communicate clearly even if I take a nap. Um, but I was sharing with somebody how uh, Patricia and I were talking, and I've been, in, I've been in our ministry almost 12 years now, full-time for, gosh, 11 years, and I think I've been a part of the ministry for 12 years, and I've been saved for 12 and a half, so um, I, I got in new and had a lot, to, lot, 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 lot to work on and work through, and thankfully I had mentors who loved me enough to hold me accountable and have me do that. But she and her husband, they've been in ministry, I, don't, I have no idea, 20, 30, 40, 150 years. I've lost track. But quite a long time with a lot of experience. And we were talking recently saying these last six to eight months have been the most challenging, bar none, of any time or years in ministry. And yet, as we were talking about it, what bubbled up in me is this absolute certain faith that we're in the most exciting time since I've been a Christian in 12 and a half years and that there's something glorious for each and every one of us. I want you to know, I know it's been a challenging season. I know it's been challenging on lots of fronts. and and But there re, it, it's because God is answering our prayers. And as we were worshiping, I hadn't planned on this, um, but God put a scripture on my heart to read and I want to read it to you. You know it well. It's Romans 8. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will give us later. I I have the uh, New Living Translation, and there's certain portions of the New Living I absolutely adore, and then there's other portions I like other translations better. But I think think in one translation it says something like, these momentary afflictions are nothing compared to the weight of glory that will be revealed. And beloved, I know that for this past 6 to 12 months, and for many of us this past decade, (laughs) 
the afflictions haven't felt light and momentary. But in eternal perspective, not only are they, but each and every one of them, if we allow them to be, is a blessing. The, 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 the Christianese that we often say, but there's, there's a reason it's become a, um, um, what's the thing where uh, expression becomes so known? It's cliche. cliche, thank you. There's a reason it's a cliche, because it's really, really true. But things can either be stumbling blocks or stepping stones. And I actually think the things that have wanted, want, that the enemy has wanted us to see as stepping stones in these last several years aren't, I'm mean, sorry, uh, stumbling blocks these last several years aren't just, aren't just stepping stones, but really are launch pads. And, and so, because where this goes after saying it's nothing compared to the way to glory that will be revealed, it goes on to say, for all creation is waiting eagerly for the future day when the mature sons of God will be revealed. And ladies, you probably heard me say this last year, but I'm going to repeat it because it's important. When we see sons of God in scripture, you are not being left out. There is no male or female in Christ Jesus. And if you don't believe me, and you think, well, I really believe it would be better if he said sons and daughters. I want to ask you a question. Why is it that we ever say Christ is waiting for his bride and bridegroom? We don't feel the need to be politically correct there. And I don't think there's anything wrong when people do that because they're trying to be inclusive. But what I want you to see is if your translation says mature sons, ladies, you're just as included as I'm included when it talks about the bride. Because there's no male or female in Christ Jesus. So don't let anybody tell you. And I obviously believe this. I've been raised up in ministry by a profoundly gifted woman of God who has great authority in the spirit and I love having been mentored by her and her husband both. So, all of creation is groaning, is crying out for all of us to arise as mature sons. Against its will, everything on earth was subjected to God's curse and all creation anticipates the day when it will join the mature sons in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we all know that creation has all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. This came to me when we were worshiping because I could feel, you know the scripture that says if we don't worship the stones will? I personally believe that not only is that absolutely true, but when we worship, sometimes the stones worship with us. Yeah. I don't think it's an either or. War. I think all of creation has a way of worshiping God. And I, in my, in my, in my Holy Spirit-led imagination, because it was this pure, truly pure, individual worship, I could feel something of a release. And it was this... The creation is crying out. And we know. We agree with this. We say, yes, creation is crying out. Yes, the mature sons must arise. Yes, to set all of creation free from the curse, which Jesus set free, so we must legislate the fullness of that. But I want you to go back and listen to this. All creation anticipates the day when it will join the mature sons in glorious freedom from death and decay. So we as mature sons... Let me rephrase that. Mature sons are free of all death and decay. Now, when you study out sons in the Greek, and I haven't done it in great, great degree, but there's actually, when all the, when we see sons in the English translation, there are actually four Greek words that are used in different places. And basically it means baby sons, toddler sons, adolescent sons, and mature sons. And the only one I remember, I'm embarrassed to admit, the only one I remember is mature sons, and it's huios. 
So when you look at it in the Greek, there's this progression of sonship, not of relationship, not of being loved, but of maturation in that relationship and in that love to go from being and we and nothing's better than the other. It's not a hierarchy. We should enjoy every single stage. Why? Well, shouldn't we enjoy every single stage of our natural progression? Babies should babies should be babies. They're made to cry and eat and poop. And they seem to really enjoy it. We have a brand new baby niece, Aria. She's six months old. My wife is addicted to huffing her. She, she told me last week, she said, I can't wait to go home and sniff the baby. I said, you realize you're huffing our niece. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's the good stuff. Oh, that's the good stuff. She says, well, she has that baby smell. And I have almost no sense of smell in the natural, so it's completely lost on me. I thought my wife was making it up until my sister was texting her saying, oh, sniff the baby for me. I miss her. I haven't sniffed her since uh, February. Sniff her for me. I was like, okay, there's something to this. But, um, but Aria really seems to enjoy eating, pooping, sleeping, and crying. My wife is a better reflection of God than I am. She enjoys it all, too, when she's caterwauling at the top. I don't know how those tiny lungs can be that loud. But my wife just looks at her and says, oh, you're such a good screamer. And I'm like, I'll be in the other room reading, baby. (laughs) But she's enjoying being a baby, and she should. Babies are supposed to be babies. Toddlers are supposed to be toddlers. You know, how many of us, when we're around those toddlers and they're first starting to toddle, why are they calling toddlers as opposed to, you know, accomplished walkers? It's because at first they're toddling. And when they toddle and they plop down, we don't say, stupid baby, don't get up and walk until you can walk across the room. No, we say, oh, it's adorable. Who's a big man? You're a big man. Let me give you, yeah, take another little toddle. <laughs> we want them to enjoy. And have you ever said, you know, I remember being a kid and, and sometimes, you know, I was kind of a serious kid at times and, and sometimes my, my, my mom used to tease me because she figured out very, my parents figured out very early on, that I was really different, or as my father said, genuinely odd. Um, <laughs> my dad and I are dear friends now. We actually get along great, but for most of our lives, we just didn't know what to make of each other. We were so different. But God has healed our relationship, and we really have a great time together. But my parents figured out very early on that like, sending my sister to her room, because she was more social than I was, was very difficult for her. You know? They would send me to my room, and I'd be like, awesome. <laughs> they'd be like, you know, after several hours, they'd be like, all right, punishment's over. You can come out. And I'm like, do I have to? <laughs> I loved being in my room with books and my comic books and my Legos and my G.I. Joes and my imagination and the worlds I created, and I'd never want to come out. So the joke in my house when I was little is my mom said, you better behave or I'm going to make you go outside and play with the other kid. <laughs> I'm like, all right, I'll take the trash out. What now, Mom? <laughs> so... I remember a few times she would say to me, enjoy being a kid. I remember when my father drove me to university, he said, enjoy these next four years because they're going to go by really fast. And after that, it's just, he was, let's see, if I was 18, he was 48. He said, it's just, it's just a blur. And then you're almost 50 years old. And at 51 now, I think the guy was right. <laughs> but it's, the key is to enjoy every stage. So it's not like we owe good. Baby Christian bad. No, baby Christians should be baby Christians. 
And we should adore that about them. And we should come along. Toddler Christians should be toddler Christians. And we should pick them up and say, let me take you, let me help you take another big step, big man. And, and adolescent Christians should be adolescent Christians. But we want to progress into being mature sons that have been set free of all the darkness and decay. Because what we've been set free of, we can set creation free of. Amen? And that's part of the plan. We can't set creation free of what we're not free of. And I don't just mean the earth. I mean each other. We can only give away what we have. We can only break off what's been broken off of us. Now, everything has been broken off of us through the finished work of the cross. Yet, Jesus, God, Father, Lord, loves us so much, He gave us this incredible gift called free will. And He'll never violate it. So in His love, He defeated all of hell and death and set us free from all sin and our old carnal nature that was agreement with sin so that we could make completely holy, given the gift of the Holy Spirit and through that indwelling power, live the Christ life in the imputed righteousness of Christ. Right? But here's how much he loves us. If we want to hold on to some of that old, that old life, he won't violate our free will. He'll let us. Not because he doesn't love us, but because he does. And love will not violate free will. And I personally believe that one of the ways we mature is we more and more come out of agreement with the things that limit us. Because God loves us so much, he highlights them. Can anybody relate to that in the last (laughs) 6 to 12 months? Has anybody felt like God was either, well, let me put it this way, God was highlighting things in you that don't necessarily look like his son. <laughs> you know the saying, you don't really know what's in something until it gets squeezed? Yeah. You squeeze a lemon, lemon juice comes out. You squeeze an orange, orange juice comes out. The last 12 months when you've squeezed me, it hasn't always been Christianity that's come out. So I want you to know that we've been in this really awesome, glorious, profitable, incredible season. I personally believe that we are in the midst of, not only are we on the cusp of the greatest move of God that's ever been seen in the earth, I personally believe we are in the midst of a great move of God. And if I had to give tonight a, a, a title, because I know a lot of people like titles, I, 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 I like titles. If I had to title this message tonight, it would be Revival in Our Midst. Because I believe we are in the midst of an incredible revival move of God right here, right now, throughout the earth. But the move of God, the revival move of God that we're in the midst of is taking place in the midst of us. There is an internal move of God that is fomenting, that is stirring, that is moving so that we can come into, so that we can steward the move of God that is about to break forth in the earth. And what I want to do... And it's all about the maturing process. What did I do in my notes? I want to read to you guys a prophetic word that um, we recently set out to our whole list and the Elijah list picked up and sent out. And it's a, it's a prophetic word about what's going on these last several months. I just want to read it to you. I feel we are in a critical time in the spirit right now. It's a time of great opportunity and potential, but also a time of great challenge. 
It is a time when God is allowing his people to see the things that we have allowed to limit us in the past, as well as ways we have fallen short, perhaps even regularly or habitually. If during this time we listen to the familiar voice of the flesh, this will be a season of rationalization and justification unto self-defense that keeps us stuck in the things that have held us back in the past. If we listen to the accusing voice of the enemy, this will be a difficult time of condemnation unto disqualification. But if we are willing to listen to the revealing voice of Holy Spirit, this will be a glorious time of conviction unto new levels of consecration that launches us into greater manifestations of his promises. This moment is rich with the potential of Joshua 3.5. Joshua told the people, consecrate. And that word means set yourself apart unto God. Consecrate yourselves anew this day, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things in our midst. And I want you to hear that. Set yourself apart anew. That doesn't mean get re-saved. It means consecrate a whole new level, a whole new depth of yourself this day. Because if you do, God will work wonders, wonders in your midst. I believe we are in Joshua 3.5 as an incredible move of God in the earth and the move is taking place. The move that we're in the midst of is taking place in the midst of us. God is calling each of us up higher, not in our own strength and abilities, but in His to leave behind those things that have held us back in the past and step out into a powerful future, exploding with miraculous signs, wonders, and breakthroughs. Do not fear or avoid the pressure you are feeling in the Spirit right now. Turn to God with it. Allow it to press you into Him like never before. What He has for you in the midst of all you are sensing, feeling, and going through is glorious transformation. Like in Song of Songs 8.5, you are about to hear those around you declaring with wonder, who is this coming up out of the wilderness, leaning on her beloved? See, the Shulamite had been so transformed by the difficult season in the desert of looking for and finding her beloved, and then this intimate time with him of all the things being worked out in her when she came up out of the desert. The people who said, who is this? These were the daughters of Zion. These were her peers. These were people that had known her almost her whole life. And she comes up out of the wilderness and they say, who is this? They didn't even recognize her because she had leaned into her beloved again, again, and again, and again, and had transformed. She had weosed. She had allowed the Lord to deal with all the things in her anywhere it kept her from intimacy with Him and trusting in Him. I am not making light of the challenges of this season. I myself have been deeply convicted on several fronts recently. I'm simply declaring that I believe with all my heart that we will see the goodness of God in the midst of all this. The enemy is not winning. God is simply answering our prayers in a wonderful, albeit unexpected way. Don't miss the glorious opportunity of this challenging season. Invite Holy Spirit to go deeper than ever before. Listen to His voice, do business with Him, and look forward to amazing transformation and empowerment as He brings you into greater manifestations of all you have been believing for. I want to tell you, and this may not be popular, but I truly believe it. I think this challenging season that we've been in and we're starting to transition out of has been God answering our prayers. Because the cry of our heart has been, more Lord, more Lord. And Pete said it. 
That is an awesome prayer, but technically, it's theologically inaccurate. We cannot have more of God. He's given us everything through the finished work of the cross. Every spiritual blessing, everything pertaining to life and godliness has been given unto us. We do not serve a carrot-dangling God that is waiting for us to be better, act better, do better, and then He'll give us more. He has given us everything. When we said yes to Jesus Christ, and we received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we received everything. Prove it scripturally, I'm glad you asked. Because that is an awesome thing to always ask for, is root it and ground it in scripture. I understand you guys have recently done a study on Corinthians. God was setting you up. Here's my scripture, 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now, I realize this gets theologically sticky. But I'm going to try to super simplify it. Because I have the duh anointing in the body of Christ. And I believe simple is good. (laughs) Salvation is an event. Sanctification is a process. Salvation, we get saved, we get everything. Sanctification is the process of coming into agreement of what we already have. In my opinion. In my opinion, we are never contending for something we might have one day. We are contending for a greater manifestation of what we know is already ours. And it changes the way we fight and the way we expect. In the natural, to my knowledge, I don't have a million dollars in my bank account right now. If I go online um, tonight to pay bills and I see I have a million dollars in my bank account, my first response would be, that's awesome. (laughs) I've had supernatural deposits in my bank account before, everything from $146 to $3,000, and the bank has confirmed them. When I've checked in, they've said, no, these are there. We have a record of it, even though I didn't make the deposit. There was a record. I don't know if God made the deposit. I don't know if an angel made a deposit. I don't know what happened, but they had a record of it. So if I saw that and was like, oh, that's awesome, but I get home next week and the bank manager calls and says, hey, just calling to let you know, we had a little computer glitch and everybody got credited a thousand, a million dollars, but don't worry, it was a computer error and we've, we've adjusted everything and you're back to your correct balance. You know what I'd say? Okay. Because I wouldn't fight them. Because when I have had supernatural deposits, they've confirmed it. And it should be that way. So I'd say, oh, okay, yeah, I, I, I knew I didn't have a million dollars. And if God didn't put it there, yeah, I don't want it. Yeah, I don't want it from a glitch. That's great. You know, great. I hope you guys prosper. I'm glad you caught it. I'm glad everything's correct. But now let's reverse it. Say I knew I did have a million dollars. Say I had been, God had told me, believe for this and do these things and build it up because... For whatever reason, because I want you guys to be blessed with a big house, which I know that might offend some, but God might tell somebody that, or something that we're all more comfortable with. I want you to build these orphanages in Africa, or I want you to fund I want you to, and that's awesome. You know, if, I, if, if, if it had been the supernatural deposit, I would have said, God, what do you want me to do with this? Do you want me to fund our work in Cambodia for the next 10 years? Because I'd love to. That'd be awesome. You know, but so say I had done this thinking, all right, I can fund everything we're doing in Cambodia to help to help them break the economic cycle of the kids going into the sex trade and the women in the sex trade, and we can build this building building for the women who are coming out of the sex trade and augment this work in the slums and all the good work we're doing. I could say, okay, great. I've been working for 
whether you know it's supernatural. Could it be? It could be a week. But let's say I've been working for two years, laboring in faith to get a million dollars to pour into it, and I knew it was there. And I come home and I go online, and it says zero dollars. You better believe I'm getting on the phone and I'm calling the bank manager and saying, "Where's my million dollars? I got plans for it. I worked hard for it." God blessed me with that, and he's got a plan and purpose. Where is it? He said, well, Mr. Hodgson, I'm so sorry. There's no record of it. And if you'll see your account, it says zero dollars. In this case, I'm not going to go, oh, okay. I'm going to show up, sit myself down at the bank manager's desk and say, with all due respect, find my million dollars. And I'm not leaving until you do. Because I know it's mine. I know God gave it to me. I'm fighting for it. I'm fighting for every one of those pennies and all the good work it's going to do in Cambodia. I'm fighting for everything God intended because I know that I know that I know and I've got a record of deposit slips and I'm not budging till I get my million dollars. You'd fight for it too, wouldn't you? You wouldn't just roll over and say, yeah. Well, if we do that for natural riches, how much more should we do it for the true riches of the kingdom? See, when we know that healing is ours, when we know we've been healed by his stripes, then we're going to deal with the symptoms. You guys know some of my story. You know my history. I, I deal with the natural symptoms, but one of the way I deal with it is I deal with the temporal reality of the symptoms, but I also do not budge from the eternal truth that I am healed by through the cross. And yet there are times I have budged. And I've given into fear. I've given into discouragement. I've given into disillusionment. And those have been really amazing battles. And none of them have been fun, but I'm grateful for every single one of them. Because in every single one of them, I get to choose what am I going to believe. Now, this season we're in, I talked about the three voices. And I've experienced this directly. I'll give you you an example from a few weeks ago. I was... uh, preaching in Wisconsin at a conference and I was telling a little of my testimony and I was trying to encourage people that I that I was getting breakthrough and that God was manifesting promises, the full manifestation of promises that we've been contending for for decades and you know coming against discouragement and but saying, you know, no guilt even if you haven't walked perfectly. I haven't walked perfectly. And I shared the up and down of my battle and how I'd often hit discouragement. And I was doing it to encourage people and say, you know, this is the season we're in. It's a time for breakthrough. Don't look at how you've, whether you've walked it out perfectly or not. Just look at, look at the promises. So long story short, after the meeting, some guy comes up to me and he says, man, you sure do get discouraged easily. <laughs> Your story, you sure got discouraged really easily. The first, first voice I heard was the, was the voice of the flesh. And I wanted to say, dude, you have no flipping idea what I've been through. You know what that was? The first thing I wanted to do, because it wasn't presented very lovingly, I'll be honest. He didn't present it very kindly, he didn't present it very lovingly, he presented it very dismissively. Like, you get discouraged really easily. But you have no idea. You walk it. You do it. Let's see you do it perfectly. And this this frustration, this... But what it was is, is that... That voice of the flesh, the old carnal nature, 
that wanted to rationalize and justify my response. Why? Because it wanted me to hold on to it. I have a right to be disappointed. It makes sense that I got disappointed. You would have been disappointed too. <laughs> the next voice I heard, and it's almost instantaneous, but to, to, I'll make it temporal to break it down. The other voice I heard was the voice of the devil. Yeah. And you get discouraged really easily. You haven't talked this very well. You're never going to get there. And it's your fault. You believe in the finished work, but you haven't accessed it, and you never will. Because you get discouraged. You're weak. It's that accusing voice under guilt, shame, condemnation, and disqualification. He can't disqualify me from the promise. But he wants to talk me into disqualifying myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then the other voice I heard, just like my old flesh, my old carnal nature, Romans 8 tells us, what is it at enmity with God? It wants to stay in charge. So it's trying to convince me, yeah, it only makes sense to get discouraged. It only makes sense to get frustrated. And anybody that would say that's not okay, they don't get it. They haven't been there. They don't know how hard it's been wants me to stay stuck in something that has limited me. Because that discouragement has limited me. Praise God he hasn't left me there. But I don't want to go back there ever. And then there's the voice of the Holy Spirit, that revealing voice. And he very lovingly spoke to me and said, you know, your testimony was really beautiful. You have gotten discouraged fairly frequently. I'm so proud of you for not staying in those places and letting me lift you up. But can we talk about why you've gotten discouraged? Can we talk about why you got afraid? Why it was so up and down for you? I'd love to show you what you were afraid of so we could get to the root of it and heal it. And that place won't be able to pull you down like it has in the past. Loving but encouraging, saying, yeah, I'm so glad you've noticed how often you dipped into discouragement. I'm very proud that you didn't stay there. You let me lift you up. But would you like me to get to the root? of the fear that caused you to be discouraged every time there was a dip? Yes, I would. And that's the season that we're in. See, right there, that's that move of God right here. See, because here's what's going on in the Spirit right now. God has heard our prayers that we want more. And He hasn't responded. Well, that's the logically inaccurate, so no, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> if they don't understand, I give them everything back with them. No, God knows what the cry of that heart is. The cry of that heart is, God, I know there's more that I'm accessing. I know I have a million dollars in my account and I want to see it. Yeah. And right now I'm seeing, I feel like I'm seeing a dollar ninety-eight. <laughs> but I want to see the rest. And he's, we're in this season right now that's really about personal responsibility unto a revival move inside of it. Personal responsibility under personal revival and reformation, under developing a personality of revival and reformation so we can give it away. God is saying, oh, they're getting it. They realize they have it all and they're not seeing it, so they're crying out for what they haven't seen yet. And you know why we cry out with such passion? Because our born-again spirits know we have it. And our soul is, is sensing that but knows we're not seeing it. So it says, more Lord. But you know when we cry out, more Lord, what we're really crying out, because we can't have more of God, we're really crying out, oh God, we want less of us! 
only thing that keeps us from the fullness of the promise that we already have is us. And here's the meat word. That's the hard word. That's the challenging word. But I love you enough to share with you what I've been through and what I believe the body's going through. We blame God and the devil way too much. God has given us everything and the devil can't keep us from anything unless we let him. So God is actually, in my opinion, I don't, I don't know that he's authored what you've gone through. If what you've gone through has been as difficult as I've gone through, I'll actually say I don't think he's authored it, but I think he's allowed it. God is allowing things in our lives that push our buttons. And let me say that differently. God is allowing things in our lives that we allow to push our buttons so that things are coming up in us so he can put his finger on it. Me, frustration, impatience, two biggies. Discouragement, those three. Those are some of my biggies. And I have seen stuff come up in the last six months to a year where, where it's triggered that stuff, where I've allowed it to trigger it. But it's not because God hasn't been with me. It's actually because he is. Because he wants it to come up. So I will start to see this doesn't look, smell, feel, or sound like Jesus. Why am I choosing it? And he's really been mentoring me intensely, gloriously, and wonderfully this last year that we are made in the creator's image and we are creators. Yes. And we are creating this realm. Yeah, but you don't get it. Really hard things have happened. So I do get it. I do, beloved. And I'm not saying it hasn't been difficult. I'm saying we blame God and the devil way too much. And something the Lord told me a while ago is my children will not walk in true dunamis authority in the earth until they're willing to take true dunamis responsibility in their own lives. And this is an amazing season. This move of God that's going on in our midst God is allowing these things to come up so we can see. I can see I'm responding in frustration. Why? What am I afraid of? What am I afraid of? Lord, put your finger on it. Set me free. You know what? I'm becoming more and more of a huios. I'm maturing. I'm allowing God to set me free of more and more sin and death. More and more of my old character and nature. But the first thing is, I have to admit that it's there and then say, God, not in my strength, but in yours. And then if we're willing to be humble and allow this process, then he, there's this greater grace to step into to all of a sudden us overcoming in ourselves what he overcame for us at the cross. Because here's the hard word. I'm choosing to be frustrated. I'm choosing to be impatient. I'm choosing to be discouraged. You say, no, 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 but look at the circumstances. They're so frustrating. They are. But I'm still choosing to be frustrated. It's like we have a, we have a saying in our ministry that um, offenses can be given, but they don't have to be taken. And there's a reason it says offenses are taken. Because if I'm offended, that means I took offense. But look at what they did. It was really offensive. Yeah, but I chose to be offended. Their offensive behavior is between them and God. My choosing offense towards them is between me and God. And it's limiting me. And until I'm willing to say, Lord, I see, I, I, I get offended pretty easily, God. 
I can't tell you the number of times I've gone to God with something I'm wrestling with and somebody else. And here's the here's the truth. I'm I'm quite prophetic and I'm very discerning. And nine times out of ten, I am one hundred percent spot on about their issues. Before God, nine times out of ten. You know what God wants to deal with me on? Why am I responding the way I am? And I can't tell you the tussles I've had with God. Because they're doing this, this, and this. And it's wrong, man. It's messed up, man. It's causing problems on the team. And i got to go and clean them up. Yeah, but why are you responding? Because I love our team. And I don't want them to have to deal with this junk, man. Yeah, but why don't you love him the same way? I just told you because of this, this, and this. Huh. And you've never been guilty of that? And I love you no matter what? Oh. I'm choosing to be offended. I want to tell you guys, this last season has been my most humbling season in 12 and a half years of being a Christian. And it's also been the most empowering because I'm starting to see something. I, I, on a regular basis, I get challenged by First uh, Corinthians fourteen one, where Paul says, "Make love your highest aim." I know love is the greatest power in the universe. I know God is love. I know love never fails. But I've come to realize that while love never fails, I often fail at love. And so God really, at the beginning of the year, He said, "I'm going to teach you about choosing love." Not just feeling love, not just moving and flowing in love, but choosing love. I thought, yes, I'm making love my highest aim. And so basically what happened is he brought all sorts of unlovable people into my life. (laughs) (laughs) And I failed at love a lot. (laughs) And he loved me enough because I prayed, Lord, keep me on a short leash this year. And he loves me enough to yank the leash and say, oh, you wanted me to let you know you just failed at love. Yeah, but they... Oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> love is a choice. And I've had to deal with all sorts of stuff. Like, well, it's not fair that they get away with that. And if I love them, even in that behavior, I feel like I'm saying what they're doing is okay and it's not. I'm just being real with you guys. I've seen some real, some real pettiness in myself these last six to eight months. I've seen some real stuff that Jesus defeated for me that I'm dead to, but I'm digging up. You know, in the Old Testament, it talks about how we're not to commune with the dead. I realize I've been communing with the dead a lot lately. Me, my old dead nature. But I'm so glad God is showing. I'm so grateful for this season because I'm really starting to learn what he meant by take up your cross and die to yourself daily. Not his cross, our cross. Because the only thing that can keep us from enjoying all the fruits and benefits of what we've been given through the finished work of the cross is us not dying to ourselves but embracing our own nature. I love sanctification and I love that it's a process. I love that God meets us all along the way and graces us all along the way. But the reason I wanted to read to you 2 Corinthians 5.17 is we are new creations. See, one of, the, one of the challenges with talking about sanctification as a process 
is what I realized is it was kind of gave me an out. It kind of gave me an excuse to not yet be walking in the full character and nature of Christ that I already have. Well, I'm in process. And it's true. And yet, once God really showed me the reason I'm in process is because I'm not choosing the character and nature that I already have, it was very humbling and very empowering all at the same time. The reason I'm still in process on impatience and frustration is because I'm still choosing impatience and frustration. I'm not, I was thinking, okay, the more I suffer these fools that frustrate me, the better job I do of suffering these fools, the more God will give me patience. I was sort of, I realized that was my mindset. And what I've realized is no, because I'm choosing to see them as fools and judge them, I'm choosing to be frustrated with them. I'm choosing not to choose patience. I'm choosing not to choose love. I'm choosing not to choose mercy. And all of a sudden I was like, we've been given everything. I will never have more love, ever. But I'm learning to access more of the fullness of love that I have. That's the season that we're in, beloved. That's the reason God has allowed situations in this last year that we've allowed to push our buttons. Does that make sense? Because here's the thing. God wants us to get that we're in it. We're in the promised land. We have everything. We don't need to wait. We don't need to cry out, oh God, send revival. He wants us to realize he sent revival through the finished work of the cross. He, he wants us to realize we don't have to cry out, Oh God, if you would give me a healing anointing, I will go out and heal the sick. He wants us to realize that we have the healing anointing because the healer goes dwells within us. But I prayed for some people and they didn't get healed. Well, what are you going to choose? Are you going to choose doubt, fear, frustration, disqualification? Or are you going to choose to believe the word of God and the finished work of the cross and pray for somebody else and somebody else? And somebody else. I know for me, things I've wrestled with over the years is, yeah, but I feel like I look kind of stupid when I tell people about Jesus and pray for him and nothing seems to happen. It's all about me, Jesus. I just need to die myself a little more. I need to rejoice in that, you know? So, I want to give you an Old Testament and a New Testament example and then I want to pray for y'all. I want to try to wrap this up. Because I don't want anybody to feel condemned. We, we are in process, but we're in the process of coming into a greater revelation of what we already have. Because God is blessing us with the season where the things that have habitually limited us in the past, he's letting us see so we can no longer choose them. He's empowering us to steward revival and reformation in here. Because he's allowing us to learn how to operate in dunamis authority over this realm so that we can release in dunamis authority over this realm. And, and I love the book of Joshua. I was sharing about this a little last night. I love the book of Joshua because it's the book where they're brought into the promised land. Everything God has promised. And yet when they come into the promised land, there's more battles in the promised land to get into the promised land. But God says at the very beginning to Joshua, and we talked about this a year ago, the shift from the Moses season to the Joshua season. It's so happening. 
That's why all this stuff is going on. Because we are in the Joshua season. God says to Joshua, I'm going to use you. You're going to lead everybody in. You're going to go in. But there's going to be all these battles. But don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Because everywhere you go, I'm with you. I won't leave you. I won't forsake you. And I won't fail you. Everywhere you go, you are on land. You have been given. Awesome. God, great promise. I don't know about you, but if that promise comes to me, my interpretation is I'm just walking into the promised land. The fruit's dropping down. I'm on ground that's been given to me. It's all big. What are you giants doing here? What's with all the walls and all the arrows and spears pointed at me in the cities? Wait, it's been given to me. It doesn't look like it's been given to me. What am I going to choose? Joshua walked through this. That's why, after God gives Joshua this amazing promise, four times he says, different versions of, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. In other words, get your soul under control. Don't let pre-inhabitation of the promised land inform being in the promised land. It was a very awkward sentence, but hopefully you understood what I was getting at. <laughs> He's saying, I'm bringing you in. You're in. Trust that you're in. Trust that it's been given to you. There's going to be battles. But the battles are all under the victory you already have. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. No matter what you see, remember you're in the promise. I've given it to you and I'm with you. And I'll be with you to win the battles so that you can enjoy the fullness of what you have been given. It's such a type of coming into Christ who is the promised land. And we have everything in Him. But we realize, hey, there's some giants. I don't have to slay a Jebusite or a Heva site, or uh, whatever the sites. But I've had to slay some frustration sites and some impatient sites. I want to tell you, some of them have been pretty big. But the way I'm getting the victory is realizing, wait, I am patient. I am kind. I am filled with joy. I am filled with love. I am filled with peace. And I'm going to stop choosing to believe I'm not. I'm going to stop choosing impatience. I'm going to start choosing love. And all of a sudden, it's like, wow. Because the enemy will lie to us when there's a battle. Oh, you're in a battle. God's abandoned you. God makes it very clear to Joshua that in the promised land, there will be battles. But fear not, for I am with you. And you are on land I've given you. Joshua 6 strolls up to Jericho. One of the most fortified cities in the world at that point. It doesn't look like you've given it to me. Well, here's what I want you to do. Go on a walk around the city. Within arrow range. Be vulnerable. Come on a walk with me and be vulnerable. Don't say anything. Because you don't have your soul under control yet. But you're going to. Because I'm going to remind you who I am and I've given you the city. And you're going to raise a shout of celebration of what you have. And those walls are coming down. Walls of frustration. Walls of discouragement are coming down in me. Walls of impatience are coming down in me. I'm so grateful for this season. You say, yeah, but that's Old Testament. What about New Testament? Glad you asked. John 4. Jesus at the well with the Samaritan woman. We know the story. Jesus and the disciples are walking across the desert. 
Jesus gets thirsty. He knows what's about to happen, so he goes by himself. I believe he thought, he knew that if 13 Jews show up, male Jews show up, the Samaritan woman would have been scared away. So he goes by himself. Sitting there, the woman comes up, and he says, hey, give me a drink. She says, what are you doing talking to me? I'm a Samaritan. I'm a half-breed. I'm a woman. You're, you're a Jew. You're a male. And he says, well, basically she says, I don't understand what's going on. The male Jews don't talk to the female Samaritans. I don't understand what's going on. Woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you were a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? I don't understand the process that's going on. That's what she's saying. And then Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who I am, you would ask me and I would give you living water. And I want to tell you, beloved, in this season that we're in, that has been gloriously challenging and triggering things in us, and we look around and it's easy to think God isn't with us because things have been difficult, things have been challenging, things have been frustrating. I want to tell you, the word of the Lord over you is this. If you only knew the gift God has for you. And I am here tonight to help you know the gift God has for you in this season. You know the rest of the story. They go through this discussion, and and it gets down to him saying, you know, out of the blue, it has nothing to do with what they're talking about. She 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 keeps saying, I don't understand the process. What's this living water you're talking about? I don't get it. I don't know what you're talking to me about. And so it all comes down to him saying this, totally out of left field, totally out of the blue, no context, total non sequitur. Please, sir, the woman said, give me some of that water, then I'll never be thirsty again and I won't have to come here to haul water. So she's saying, okay, I have no idea what you're talking about, but something in me wants what you have. And this is the next thing Jesus says, completely out of context of the conversation. Go and get your husband. What? (laughs) And then she says, I'm not married. I don't have a husband. You're right, Jesus said. You don't have a husband, for you've had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. And she says something amazing. She says, sir, you must be a prophet. Did you get it? He just said, I know you don't have a husband. I know you had five, and I know right now you're living in adultery. A Jew and a male has just accused her of living in adultery. And she says, you must be a prophet. In other words, you're right. She has just given him legal right to stone her to death. Why would she do that? She didn't understand the process. She didn't know what was going on. Why are you revealing my deepest, darkest secrets? And why am I coming into agreement? Because she's living in a lifestyle that is limiting her in going after the fullness of God. And Jesus wants to get at it because he wants to set her free. He wants to bring transformation. She doesn't understand the process and she hasn't liked it, but she wants what he has. So he goes right to the root of the most difficult thing in her life, not for guilt, shame, and condemnation, which would stone her to death, but so he can help her be set free of wounds, pains, and things that have limited her in the past. And the reason she says yes is for two reasons. She senses there's something different and Jesus is love. 
so she feels safe to be open and vulnerable. Beloved, one of the greatest gifts that you're going to get from God in this season, if you're willing to be open and vulnerable with him, is you're going to come to know his love and goodness at a whole different level. I have come to know his love and goodness through his discipline and correction like I've never known before. I am now getting with him. It's like, let's rip off another band-aid, God. Let's deal with something else, God. I don't totally understand this process, God, but let's get to the very root of it. Just tear it all out. And what happens? We know what happens. She gets a revelation that he's Messiah. And then she becomes a revival evangelist. She brings the whole village. Everybody gets saved. He helped her deal with the wounds in here that had created situations in her life. She had made some bad, wrong choices because of wounds. So he gets right directly into those things, not for guilt, shame, and condemnation, but to get rid of the voice of the flesh that rationalizes and justifies so we stay stuck. After everything I've been through, nobody would want me. I'm just grateful that this guy wants me, and if he wants me in this way, then I'll have it. It's the only way I'm ever going to get by. Lies, 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 lies. And the devil wants to say, yeah, you're in sin. You're disqualifying. God will never love you because you're horrible. Disqualify. Jesus says, I've got something for you you don't even know. And all I want to do is get rid of the things that would limit you and bring them into them. So she stewards. She takes, she makes choices to be honest with God and allow a transformation here. She chooses in God's love, ability, and power for she makes changes. And then all of a sudden, she's, she's allowed revival here. She's chosen revival here. And I want to be careful. That word's key. Because we can wait for God to do it. Beloved, he did it at the cross. Yeah. Beloved, he did it at the cross. Don't wait for God to do it. Choose what he has done. And if you have trouble doing it, he's not mad at you. Get with him. Be open, honest, and vulnerable. And let him show you why you have trouble doing it. I had to get, I got on my knees. I cried out, God, I don't want to be like this anymore. But I can't seem to not get frustrated. I can't seem to not get impatient. I'm trying really hard and I'm failing. Getting a little impatient and frustrated with you. (laughs) So he showed me the root issues. And I'm getting more and more freedom from it. I'm getting a greater grace to choose peace, to choose love. And the more I do, the more I'm seeing it manifest around me. It's what he has for you, beloved. So here's what I want to do. Oh, one last scripture. This is how key this is. To go into the next stage of sonship. This is how key this is to becoming a huios, a mature son. Paul in Hebrews talks about what maturity is. And I love this because he makes it really clear. He's saying to the Hebrews, I personally think Paul wrote the book of Hebrews. I know, I can't prove it. I don't need to prove it. I'm willing to be wrong. Absolutely. I'm not building a theology around it. I've heard some very interesting teachings about why, potentially, some really cool, far-out-there stuff that I like to entertain. But I'll I'll make it easy. The writer of Hebrews, which is the best way to put it, because we don't know for sure. I don't know for sure. It's an opinion. The writer of Hebrews talks about what true Christian maturity is. And what I love is he says to the Hebrews... Do I really need to give you guys another milk word? Do we have to go over all the baby stuff again, like the raising of the dead? (laughs) Your Bible says that, beloved. Don't ever think that moving in the gifts means we're mature. We move in the gifts because God made it all available through the finished work of the cross. 
The only thing moving in the gifts mean is the person has faith in the gifts. And too often we mistake being gifted with being of high character. They're not mutually exclusive, but they also don't necessarily one equal the other. Although most of the people I know who have high character also have high faith and move in the gifts. But I've met some people who move in the gifts profoundly who really need some help with the character stuff. So I love that he says, look, come on, the baby stuff like raising the dead. And I love that as the charismatic church, we're going after the gifts of the Spirit. I love it because there's a world out there that needs to know them. And I have personally seen how prophecy, healing of the sick, and working of miracles gets people's attention that want nothing to do with Jesus. But how did you know that? Wait a minute, my leg just grew out. How'd that happen? Wait a minute, I've had depression my entire life. I feel peace and joy. Where'd that come from? Let me tell you. Let me tell you all about who it came from. So I love that stuff. It's not an either or. It's a both and. But Paul makes it, or the writer of Hebrews makes it very clear that operating in the gifts of the Spirit isn't maturity. This is the definition of maturity. Knowing what's right and wrong and choosing what's right. In other words, allowing the Lordship of Jesus Christ. It doesn't say determining what's right and wrong. It says knowing, according to the Word of God and agreeing with it, choosing it, even if it hurts. You know why it hurts? Because there's something in us we need to die to yet. It only hurts because our flesh is enmity with... So when when I know what's right, make love my highest aim. So when I'm choosing frustration, I'm being immature. But when I choose to love and be merciful and patient, and beloved, love is not a doormat. I know personally, because I've had it done to me and I've done it, love confronts. But love always confronts for the better of the person, because we believe in the person and we want more for them. Love does not confront in impatience and frustration unto condemnation and disqualification. Does that make sense? So, with that in mind, this is how important it is. This, with this we know, Paul, the church of Ephesus. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know, so that you will know, so that you will know what is the hope of this calling? What are the riches of the glorious inheritance in the saints? So Paul was basically saying, I pray, beloved, that you will get a revelation of the full riches that he has given you. So you'll start choosing them. Because you have them. And I want you to see the reason that you're in the mess that you're in right now, church at Ephesus, is because you've made wrong choices. And you made those wrong choices. I want you to get a revelation of what you have so you'll start choosing what you have. This is the season that we're in, beloved. We're in a season where God, who loves us so much, is saying we're going to allow things in your life to trigger those things, to show you the good choices you make, but also the not good choices you make, so you can let me get at the root of those things. Now, what I want to do is I want to pray for anybody who wants it. I cannot impart to you where I am because we've got to go through the process. But I can impart to you, I prayed about this and I believe this with all my heart and can do it with faith. I can impart to you the great grace God has given me to allow the process so far. And the reason I'm excited about doing this is I'm not perfect, I'm not done. Nowhere near. But I have seen a shift. What I'm really excited about is even in the last week, 
I've seen it go from here to here. I'm seeing the beginnings of it. I wrote our ministry and they, they read a, a word that I shared this past Sunday about some of the things I've seen happen in the last week. How it's really getting easy for me to choose love. It's really getting easy for me, easier to choose love, to choose patience. And as I do, I'm feeling more love. And I'm seeing that love manifest around me. This glory school we just did, it was marked by such a tangible atmosphere of the Father's love that anything was possible. And I know I played a tiny part in that because the choices I've been making here were starting to manifest here. And so I know... I know that for the better part of 12 years, I often listened to the wrong voice and made the wrong choice. I listened to the, the voice of my old carnal nature, rationalize and justify. So I, I chose impatience. I chose frustration. I chose judgment. I chose offense. I chose bitterness. And oh man, I think back on those years and not all the time, but at some important times I did. But I'm seeing this great grace to all of a sudden, one, realize it, and two, allow God to remind me the only reason you're not choosing love right now is because there's something you're afraid of. One of them was, I, have, I, have an, I, I had an issue with customer service people. It really got, really, I let it get on my nerves when I would call customer service and they didn't understand what either of those two words meant. (laughs) This isn't fair. I paid for something. I'm not receiving it. This isn't right. And I'm realizing that's accurate, but it's, it's still justification and rationalization under a wrong choice. And I'm, I'm watching a shift. Not just for me, but even for the customer service person who's been having a really bad day, maybe bad week, maybe bad year, and they're really rejoicing a little bit too much in denying me the service that I paid for and deserve. But I'm watching myself. I want to be careful because all glory to God, and I know the wickedness in my heart that I could easily choose the next time to get frustrated, but I'm seeing a great grace not to. And I'm watching it manifest. So what I want to do for anybody who would like it is I know that I know that I know the season that we're in is one of the greatest gifts God has ever given us, but it's been a very difficult time. But it truly is to glorious transformation. And I know that I know that I know we can't do it in our own strength. I can't and I haven't. Every success I've seen and everything I'm seeing manifest is totally by His grace. And as you know, the grace of God is not the permission to sin. It's the indwelling power to choose not to. Yeah, right. So I don't, how, would you like to, how would you like to do this? Do you have any administrative, organizational insights? None of those. None of those. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm, I'm simply happy to... Um, just lay hands on people one at a time. We can do the equivalent of a fire tunnel, um, whatever you guys want to do. Um, but I want to, I want to, I want to impart this grace to everybody because I know that I know that I know God has something glorious for each of us. And beloved, the thing I want to commend you on is the more difficult the season has been and the more you failed, I want you to know the, the, the greater transformation because most of this time of this difficult season, I have failed a whole lot more. 
and God allowed it because it helped me get to the end of myself. And I really saw, Lord, I, I, I'm trying as hard as I can, and I can't do this. And just getting this revelation that I didn't need to, that he would empower me, but then I needed to choose it. But see, I was trying to choose it in my strength, not his. I was trying to choose it and me overcome it, as opposed to choosing the overcoming grace of him having overcome it. Does that make sense? And that's the grace I'm going to impart to you. Yes. Yes.